In Matthew 1, 22 through 23, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We just sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It probably has a bit of a different ring today, that word Emmanuel, than it did when Jesus was born. If you walked out from here and told somebody, Emmanuel, that means God with us. They might say, yeah, I I believe that. God, great, Mm mm-hmm. And if, if they don't believe in God, they might just give you a funny look and shrug their shoulders and walk away. Nobody's going to think much of that phrase, I think, today. We live in a culture that if people believe in God, they generally believe in the one God. So this concept of God with us might not shake them up very much. But in the ancient world, they're more likely to say, okay, yeah, sure, that's great. That happens all the time. Which God showed up today? Do you mean Zeus or Hermes? Paul and Barnabas, when they were traveling around on their missionary journeys, they went to the towns of Lystra and Derbe. And after preaching there, the people of the town thought, their Zeus and Hermes have come down to us, let's celebrate them. Or maybe, maybe like Julius Caesar or Augustus Caesar. Julius, after his death, a comet appeared in the sky. And many people thought that that was a sign of his spirit ascending to the heavens and becoming like one of the gods. Somebody wrote about it and said, Then Jupiter, the Roman god, the father, spoke, Take up Caesar's spirit from his murdered corpse and change it into a star so that the deified Julius may always look down from his high temple on our capital and forum. Or his son, Augustus Caesar, Julius' adopted son became emperor of Rome after Julius died. And now he could conveniently take the title, Son of God. And the worship of the emperors in Rome began. You can find this inscription called the Priene Inscription. It says, Since providence which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom is filled with virtue, that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done, and since the beginning of the God Augustus, was the beginning of the good news for the world that came by reason of him. This was said of Caesar Augustus, the Caesar that was emperor when Jesus was born, the Caesar who called for the census to come. People called him God. People called him Savior. People said his arrival was good news. His arrival was gospel. All of this is in the air. This is what people are thinking when this Jesus shows up born in a manger and people say he's Emmanuel, God with us. Sure, great, 
Which God? Why is this important? Why is this Emmanuel so special? Today we're here obviously to celebrate why this Emmanuel is so special. He's not like Zeus and Hermes. He's not like Julius. He's not like Augustus. This God, this God with us chose to come down to us in the form of a baby. This God is making good on the promises to always be with us, to always be with his people. And what better way to be with them than to come down and be amongst us, to demonstrate what kind of God he truly is, not a God that's up there, far away, like Caesar being lifted up into the skies to escape all of this, but the God who comes down to be imminent, approachable, personal, present, and even for a time to be mortal and vulnerable. The real secret of this, friends, this is how God has been since the beginning. This is what God has wanted to show to us since the beginning. James will write later after Jesus has gone and ascended into heaven, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. God does not change. God has not changed. This doesn't demonstrate some sudden change in God's plan or how God is or how he wants to operate and be with his people. This is what God has been like all along. He's not an unpredictable Greek or Roman God who you have to appease with constant gifts, with hopes that they will accept and approve of your offering. He's not one of the Caesars who change from time to time and you don't know how one is going to act or if the other one's going to be different or if the Caesars are going to demand that you follow them and be one of their subjects at the tip of a sword. He is God, always has been, always will be. This child in the manger was around when the heavenly lights were created, when they were put in the sky. He is not one of them. He does not change like their movements or as the shadows pass throughout the day. He is dependable. He is reliable. And he has come to bring us light in a world that is full of darkness. Like we just sang in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's my turn to talk at you for a little bit. Uh, so what, uh, what I want to do this morning is um, I want to I piece apart a, one of my favorite Christmas songs a little bit. So there's a lot of really great Christmas songs, but one that sticks out to me every year that it just it has to be done, I have to do it like overkill, is Oh Holy Night. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great song. Like many Christmas songs, um, it tells a story. It tells the story of Jesus' birth in, in, in some perspective. Um, but I wanna, what I want to do this morning 
is um, um, I want to bring up the, um, the lyrics to the first verse, and we're just going to kind of walk through the lyrics of the first verse and kind of piece them apart a little bit. So if we could get just the first line, perfect. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm just, we're just going to read through it, and then, and then we'll start piecing it apart. So, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. <laughs> you can tell that it gets, it, it gets to you really easily. <laughs> keep, let's go ahead and keep going. To the next slide. A thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices, or the weary world rejoices in some ways. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, holy night, O oh, night divine. All right, now, let's go back to the beginning. Let's just bring that first slide up again. And we'll just kind of start talking through it. Okay, so, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Pretty straightforward, pretty easy to just kind of wrap your head around that. It's, it's, a, it's a recognition of this is a very holy, beautiful night, the night of our dear Savior's birth. And it is, um, the beauty of this song is, is that it's, you know, it doesn't really matter when Jesus' birth actually happened in the time frame of the world. This, I mean, this season... We celebrate it, and this is a great way to kind of kick it off in my mind. Just this phrase, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining, the night of our dear Savior's birth. So, again, pretty, pretty straightforward there. This next line is where it gets really interesting, and I think it's something that we, um, we ought to take with us and really think about in our, in our current world. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. The world was so broken before Jesus. It still is. It's amazing that God in his, in all of his glory and his creating us and recognizing how, uh, how imperfect we were um, and how unlike him we were in that, um, that the love he feels for us, the love he has for us is strong enough that in our sin and error, he sought a way to save us from it all. And it's really powerful because our error is constant in our lives. We see it around us. We see it happening to others. We see it happening to us. And we even cause it to ourselves and to others as well. It's such a strong and powerful thing in who we are, this sin and this error in ourselves. Yet he appeared and the soul, our soul, felt its worth. Let's move on to the next one. A thrill of hope. And I'm going to use the word world. The weary world rejoices. So this is an interesting one. A couple years ago, Christmas of 2020, um, the the church staff, we were having our our staff meeting um, one day, and we were kind of just in the midst of the beginnings of the Christmas season. And I'll have to admit, and hopefully I think I can speak for all the staff, that we were just like beaten down that year. Um, We had gone through some... Um, some huge struggles with, with the COVID shutdown and just like, I mean, any decision that we made was wrong in some way to someone. 
and, um, and we could never do anything quite right that whole year. And it was really, really difficult. So Christmas came, and we were just all so tired. And we felt, in a way, incredibly defeated, um, not knowing what to do. And, um, and what we did, one, one of these staff meetings, is we, uh, we, did, we do a devotional time, devotional time at our staff meetings, and um, it was my week to do it. So I decided to play this song. And, um, and we just kind of, after we sang it, we just talked about it for a little bit. And, and this line right here is one that we really, really focused on. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Just kind of take that phrase and stew with it for a second. A thrill of hope. When you find yourself filled with some kind of hope or you're hopeful for something to happen, what do you feel? What do you experience in that moment? Do you experience anxiety? Do you experience joy? Do you experience peace? Do you find yourself wishing for something different? These are all things that kind of can kind of encompass this concept of hope. But I think in all of these instances, these, these feelings, these reactions we have are very thrilling. There's something that we don't necessarily get to experience in another way, in another form. When we allow ourselves to hope for something, maybe in a moment of, of struggle, this thrill comes along with it, this, this, this emotion, this, this deep-rooted, it's almost, like it's hard to find words to describe it, honestly. Um, it's something that God has given us. It's, it's, it's something, it's a way that God speaks to us through our souls. And, and it's incredibly powerful, and it's something that can get us out of our darkest times. It's interesting, um, this morning, as I was driving in, I was kind of just going over the things I wanted to talk about and, and thinking, gosh, I hope that this is an effective thing to talk about, and, and I'm, I'm just not totally sure how effective it's going to be. Um, the interesting thing is, um, as, I was, as I was driving to the church, um, I live in Alta Sierra, and I was driving up Dog Bar, the, the back way from Alta Sierra, um, and, uh, and I saw an ambulance pass by me, going, going the opposite way. And shortly after the ambulance, the, um, the fire chief truck was, was right behind it. And uh, I was so overwhelmed with emotion in that moment. You know, I'm seeing these ambulances, and obviously they're going somewhere to take care of somebody who's, who's in, in some kind of trouble. And the first thing I thought was, oh, man, not today. Why'd it have to be this morning, Christmas morning? The first thing that happens, you've got to call the ambulance. I felt so much despair for whoever that ambulance was going to in that, in that moment. And, and I found myself... faced with a requirement to stop and pray for whatever that situation was. And that, that requirement came from a moment of, a moment of despair of, oh, not today, why did it have to be today? But then instantly, instantly taken over by a hope of, I can pray for that person. And I had this thrill, this, this, this moment of, there is something that I can do for somebody because of Jesus, because of the connection we have through Jesus' birth, through Jesus' sacrifice, that I can pray to God and I can pray for that person. And it filled me with hope. Hope that, that God is taking care of whatever that is. I have no idea 
No idea what that was for. But I know it matters that I do something about it. It's easy to fall into the trap of of looking at that situation, especially on a morning like this, and just being filled with this despair and being stuck in that moment. Oh, why did that have to happen to somebody today? And that, that instant reaction is our sin nature. That's, that, was my, that was my nature of just looking at the bad of the situation, and, and I could have wallowed in that. Um, but because I know God and I've accepted Jesus into my life, he gives me these opportunities to hope for something different. And it's particularly easy to fall into that kind of hope on Christmas. I think that this season brings a much stronger sense of hope for ourselves. Um, and the beauty is that even though we, we can despair, this thrill, this hope gives us a resiliency that we wouldn't otherwise have. People are so resilient. If you think about the story of Mary and Joseph as they're traveling trying to find a place for Jesus to be born... At the time, um, there was a census going on, and, and the whole goal of that census was to track down the Savior and hopefully eliminate that from being something that King Herod had to deal with. Um, so there's a tension for Mary and Joseph to be safe and essentially be running away, trying to avoid this dark thing that's happening in the world. Um, and ultimately, they land at the place of... Uh, <laughs> an inn or a place that could that they might potentially stay in and they're offered a stable, a place where animals live, right? And if you were here last night or if you watched the live stream, there we had a depiction of that and, um, and this depiction of Joseph being offered this stable and being so filled with excitement and thrill and hope and joy. And he said, Mary, I found a place for us to stay. Can you picture that? Can you picture that in the world that we live in now? If you, if you or someone you know is pregnant and they're running away from something and the best thing that they can find is an animal stall, it seems almost unreal, honestly, in this world. It, it, it just, I can't even fathom that. If, honestly, I think if it happened, it would probably show up on the news. People would be just flabbergasted and ticked off and there would be new laws. Like, it would, it would just go nuts, right? Yet this, this thing happened but there was still thrill and there was still hope in it. And that's just such a testament to the resiliency of mankind when we allow Jesus into our lives. We can say that we're resilient in the same way in the world that we're in now. Uh, someone gets in trouble on Christmas morning, first thing. And they're thinking, what am I going to do? Well, humans are resilient, so we have ambulances that you can call and they'll come and take care of you. What a joy, what a hopeful thing that when you're in peril, there is something there to help you and to save you. And all the while, God is with the situation the whole time, whether it's a believer or not who is in that peril. I said earlier, it's really easy to find your hope and your peace and your joy in the Christmas season. It's much stronger. And I think that every time Christmas comes around, we have these opportunities to be refilled with this hope, reinvigorated with it. However, 
It's also very easy once New Year's comes and the following year comes to just fall right back into the habits. And that hope and that thrill and and all of those things that come along with the season just kind of fade back into the background in the busyness of our lives. Now, I'm not going to deny that that, I mean, it happens to me. It happens to everybody. Um, and and I, I encourage you to, to ma- hold on to it as long as you can. But this is, a, this is a mountaintop moment, I think. Christmas season is just this mountaintop moment where we're all just feeling it a little bit stronger. And it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that we have it. My hope for you is as we come back out of the Christmas season, that you can take these experiences you have and this and this concept of the thrill of hope and in the moments when it feels faint remember this remember what it's like to feel this thrill this hope that we have and the peace that comes along with all of it if you do your part for yourself to remember it remember how it feels where you were what it did for you. And then pray and find God in your situation. You can get that thrill back anytime you want it, anytime you need it. This is not the only time of the year that you have to, that you get to experience this. It happens all the time. So what I'd like to do now is we're going to sing this song. And I pray for you that you can really decipher these lyrics in maybe a different way, a way that you hadn't quite done before. Really pay attention to what, you're, what we're singing about. There's a line in there that also says, fall on your knees, that we repeat over and over again. Have you ever fallen on your knees while singing this song? I actually haven't personally. Most of the time I am actually up here playing and singing it, so I don't even think about it. But what an amazing phrase to say so loud. Do you fall on your knees? Can you fall on your knees? Do you have what it takes to fall on your knees? Do you have the hope, the thrill? Will you embrace it? Let's sing this song together.
Um, actually, I'm going to audible real quick. Aurora, want to come join me for a sec? She does not know what we're doing. All right, Hannah, you can come up too. All right, one of you stand here. Okay. I just, uh, I know that you guys uh, opened your gifts already this morning, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So, what was your favorite gift? Um, well, I got two of my favorite gifts. One of them is I got a new bike. And a bike? I got a... What kind of bike? It's, um, like a street bike or, or a mountain bike? It's like a mountain bike. Like a mountain bike? Uh-huh. Cool. Um, and a Squishmallow, which is basically just like a... a pineapple? Really... I've been seeing this pineapple. This pineapple is super fun. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Hannah? I got a Squishmallow, too, and it's a fox. Oh, and... she got a pillow, too. And I also got a horse stable. That's a Barbie. I like oh, a Barbies. horse stable, uh, like a Barbie set with a horse I stable. Love Very cool. You like Barbies? Yeah. And that's really awesome, guys. Um, do you think that you're going to use these gifts every single day of your life? Every single day, you're gonna play with those horses, the horse stable, every single day, and you're gonna you're gonna bring your squishmallows to school with you every single day. No, probably not. Probably not. Did you know that Christ has given us gifts that we get to use every single day? Every single day, they're called spiritual gifts. And um, I'll invite everyone else uh, to reach into the chairs in front of you and pull out the Bible. Uh, We're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12. Bo, you don't get one. Unless one of my fine helpers wants to go get Bo a Bible. Thanks, guys. You did a really good job. You did a really good job. Thanks, guys. So we're going to read uh, from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12. I don't need this. It's overkill. I already have one. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to go ahead. I want you, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, 
gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Amen. So for any of you who any of you who are new this morning, I'm Morgan. Uh, I am running the youth program here at Sierra Press right now. Um, it's called Anchor Youth. Uh, the acronym stands for a new kind of relationship. Um, uh, we have an awesome time. We meet on Wednesday nights at 5.30 to 7.30. If you know anybody who is from 6th grade to 12th grade, we are in the midst of welcoming new people. And, and so um, just a little plug there. Um, so usually when I teach about spiritual gifts, it's to high schoolers and middle schoolers. Um, but occasionally, uh, Pastor Mike says, well, you know, you could, you could give a sermon to the adults. And, well, you would think you would learn his lesson by now. Here we are. This is probably one of, if not the most used passage when teaching about spiritual gifts. And yet, as I was reading it in preparation, I couldn't help but feel like this was the first time I'd ever read it, which I have read it and I have heard it multiple times, and yet there was something about it this time that spoke differently. This is why I love my job so much. Well, this and the kids, I guess. Well, the kids are okay. But the baby kids, wait, with all their screaming and, and, and eating and poop. No, wait. I think I, did, I think I did this bit already, didn't I? Okay. No, but really, one of the coolest parts of my job is getting to walk people through Scripture and young people through Scripture, and, and, and wouldn't you know it, I get to learn too. Usually with middle, middle and high schoolers, but this time I get to walk you guys through it, and that's super fun. So let's break this down a little bit. Um, verse 1, right off the bat, it says, I don't want you, I do not want you to be uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. Notice, it doesn't say, make sure you are well informed. Paul specifically says he doesn't want us to be uninformed. Well, what's the difference? To me, this means we shouldn't feel pressure if we don't know everything about what our spiritual gifts are. Um, I could say, I don't know all of mine, or I might think I'm gifted in a certain way, but in reality, maybe my gifts lie somewhere else. 
and I just haven't figured it out yet, but that's okay, because I'll figure it out. And God shows us where our gifts lie with His timing and His plan. No, I think this do not be uninformed comment from Paul is many things, but two I want to focus on today. Firstly, don't let anyone speak without truth to you about your spiritual gifts. Secondly, there's anybody here today or listening online that feels like you don't have any spiritual gifts? Let you be informed today that you do. It says it right in the Bible. It says, don't be uninformed. Every single one of you has spiritual gifts. passage goes on to list different gifts that were given. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, the speaking of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Personally, I haven't experienced anyone performing miracles or speaking in tongues or interpreting the speaking of tongues. Are those things that we typically do at our church during our worship service? No. Does that mean that it can't happen? No. Very specifically, it's in here as a spiritual gift. Don't be uninformed. It's in here And God can make it happen if he wills it. Especially since in the same breath, Paul speaks of things I'm sure we have all seen in others. I've been on the receiving end of a lot of wisdom and knowledge from people in this church. And I know I'm not alone in that. The best example that I can think of to illustrate this has to do with a student um, that informed me once that... Sin, sin, like big concept of sin, right? Sin is like Skittles. Yes, the candy, like Skittles, the candy. It comes in a little bag, sometimes they're sour, right? It tastes really, really good. But if, it gives, but if you eat too much of it, uh, it gives you a stomach ache, and eventually it'll make you fat. That's what, that's what she said. You laugh. I actually thought this was really wise. This is coming from a kid who would consistently be eating sugary snacks all the time and clearly knew full well the dangers of Skittles. She had learned her lesson. Something had happened. Okay? I had been trying to teach this complicated and scary concept to wrestle with her uh, what wrestle with and this sixth grader took it and made it make way more sense than I was right and even the other kids kind of they giggled and and then after a little while they kind of went well actually you know that 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 kind of tracks I, I could see that 
The wisdom in that moment was exactly what was needed. And that's something else that this passage speaks to is that our gifts are used by God for the greater good. He doesn't give for us to use for our benefit. Although, when, he, when we desert, discern His will, we are blessed. But we are gifted for His purposes and not our own. Later, there's a, later in the chapter, there's, a commonly used, there's also a commonly used passage that speaks to what, uh, what good is an arm without a leg or something like that. No, really, what it speaks to is that our gifts are to be used to further the kingdom of God and support each other. And each person has a role to play and a gift or two to use. This is why we are to be informed. Uh, Every once in a while at our church, we do something called our spiritual gifts workshop. And I'm looking over at Mike and Beth because they probably have the whole calendar memorized. Um, No, not so much. Uh, So, (laughs) um, whenever that happens, I'm sure there will be one this year. Uh, I would invite you guys, uh, whether you have come before or have never gone to that event um, before, I would really encourage you guys to come to that because uh, it's it's an exercise that we have also done with the youth group. Um, and what we do is we're discerning what our spiritual gifts are. And like I said earlier, it's not easy necessarily. And I might not know all of mine, and you might know, not know all of yours, or you might think you have a gift in something when you maybe should be doing something else. And yet, we don't want to be uninformed. These gifts are the gifts that we are given to be used every day. Not the gifts we get under the tree once a year. Build a Lego set, and then it sits on the shelf. Or maybe you unbuild it, and maybe you build it more later. But these are the gifts that we get to use throughout the year, throughout our lives, So we can't be uninformed. It's why it's the first thing he says in this chapter. I'm going to read it again. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So there's two things I want us to make sure we take away. First, Do not be uninformed. You have spiritual gifts. And second, do not be uninformed. Know your spiritual gifts so that we can use them to further God's kingdom. Merry Christmas.